Father's Day. What an interesting day of the year. Mother's Day is the busiest day of the restaurants and the phone service. And Father's Day, I think they might sell a lot of Slim Jims. <laughs> I don't know what the dealio is with that. And so on Mother's Day, Miss Diane spoke as she usually does and did such a tremendous job. And of course, I was already kind of thinking about Father's Day and what should we do on Father's Day. And it occurred to me while I was sitting there listening to her message, I should ask a few guys from within the congregation to step forward and to speak uh, about their perspective of fatherhood. And so I grabbed a, a piece of paper, probably just like this, and quickly grabbed my pen and uh, had about four or five or six guys in mind. And so I went and chased them down after, uh, after service. And uh, I, I think the first person I went to probably was Sam. I went to Sam first. And I said, dude, you're preaching on Sunday Father's Day. He nearly passed out, let me just say. <laughs> he nearly passed out. And then, of course, I explained to him what I was looking for. And he went, yeah, I'll do that. So I wrote his name down and... Then I think I went to Chad probably after that, and I wrote his name down, and I went to five other guys, four or five other guys, and I wrote their names down. They all agreed to uh, 10 minutes less, less than, 10 minutes or less than, except for one person who has continually been uh, vying for 23 minutes. I don't know what's up with that, but uh, uh, it's uh, pretty cool. And so um, I was just really ecstatic about this and was just kind of... Um, wow, this is going to be an awesome, awesome day. And then uh, lost the paper. <laughs> now, how many of y'all got a memory that you just remember everything you jot down on a scrap piece of paper, right? Well, I knew that I'd ask Sam and Chad uh, because I remember their reaction and, and I remembered uh, Toby and I was like, oh my God, who? I was racking my brain trying to figure out who the rest were. And uh, it, it finally, uh, I never did find the paper. And so I'm, I've been fasting and praying this morning that I don't miss anyone. <laughs> I don't think I will. I think we got it all in tow. Um, the beautiful thing is, is that I often talk here about what an individual experience that we all have with Christ. It's very different for all of us. We know that he died for all of us. Amen. I went to the cross for all of us. There's no, no question about that. But I know my experience with Christ is my story and my experience, and yours is yours. And I think that fatherhood is much the same as well. We often only have a couple of models in our life of, of fatherhood. Maybe, uh, of course, our Heavenly Father is like the perfect model, right, of what fatherhood should look like. And I doubt that any one of us match up to that by a long like it's a long shot that we could ever be Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy, Father. However, there's some aspects of our Heavenly Father that we can aspire to. And then the other example that we may have in our life, whether good or bad, it's been good for some people and it's been bad for others, is, is uh, the example of what we've learned from our earthly fathers. And so we have a couple of templates in life that can help kind of dictate our perspective on fatherhood, you know, uh, and, and one can be skewed by the other. 
Uh, no denigration to my dad, but I uh, was abandoned and orphaned and abused and all kinds of different things. So I didn't really have a positive uh, earthly father experience. And quite frankly, preaching on Father's Day was always fairly difficult. Uh, I don't think I've ever preached on Mother's Day because um, my mom you know, split when I was 18 months old. And I just didn't really have a reference point per se. And so uh, what, what that did, though, was it skewed my vision of the Heavenly Father. Because I had an abusive earthly father, I always figured that at some point God would abuse me as well. Or I, I had an abandoning, uh, my father abandoned. So God's going to abandon me sometime. As, so it, it skewed the whole vision of that. And so when you kind of have that element in your fatherhood, you're just guess by gollying, hoping that you're doing a good job as a daddy, you know? And many times, um, I don't know about you, but I failed many times as a daddy. Thank you for leaving me to hang out to dry all by myself right there. I would imagine that all of us, in, you know, have had those moments when, boy, we go, man, I, whew, I messed that one up. And maybe even look back on it over time and go, Boy, I wished I could have done that differently. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? And of course, a lot of that perspective changes when you become a grandfather. And then it's a whole different visual, a whole different mindset. And I remember, and I know I've told you all this story, but I remember Declan was two, maybe two, staying at our house. Uh, he was our first grandson, and I had to fix a light switch in the kitchen. I had the power shut off. So, and so I'm holding Declan in my, in my left arm while I'm trying to do some wiring because he's like all interested. We got, a, we got a picture of Declan and I laying on the floor leveling the refrigerator. He was right next to Papa on everything. I didn't say moving the refrigerator. I said, yeah. And so, uh, but here's what, I, what occurred to me at that moment. Not, I never you know, abused my daughters, but I remembered that if, as a dad, if Emily or Erica had come to gather my attention while I was changing a light switch, I'd have said, oh, hang on just a minute, I'll be with you in a minute. And, and with the grandkid, it was all like, I don't care what happens, this kid's staying right here, man. You know? You know? And so your perspective changes. Those dads in the room that were on my list uh, still are. Uh, someday it'll all change for you as well when you become a grand daddy and you begin to have a different perspective and vision on it. And so I have uh, six people that um, whether through great trepidation and fear or through excitement of the possibility agreed to come speak to you all today. And I think it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now I went to them each uh, over the course of the last week, and I said, tell me in a sentence or in a word what you're going to talk about. And I was doing that because I was trying to figure out what order do I want to put them in, you know, to kind of get a flow for things. Are you with me? And uh, they, uh, they did such a fantastic job giving me their one word or their one sentence, but no matter how many times I shuffled the deck, I, I couldn't get an order of things. And even as of late last night, uh, um, some friends came over to our house and they asked me what, what the order was. I said, I have no clue. I don't know what the order is. We'll figure it out in the morning. 
And so I woke up this morning, and the first thought in my mind was when the disciples got together uh, after things happened with Judas, and they had to pick an, a 12th, another 12th disciple for the group. And so they prayed and they cast lots. And I thought, well, that's the perfect, since God's not giving me the scenario of this person, then this person, then this person, let's just have them draw numbers. And so one to six, I don't have a clue what their number is, uh, other than I do know who number one is. And uh, they are going to come up and just speak to you in that, in that, and I believe God's hand is upon it, the, the things that they shared with me. We had communion together in the room over here. It was just a really, really beautiful moment as these dads were kind of talking about this moment. One in particular, I had asked Ron Patton uh, if he would uh, share his perspective of fatherhood uh, as well. And he came to me, I don't know, last Sunday or Sunday before and said, Pastor, we're going to be out of town. I'm not going to be able to be there on Father's Day, but I have a story. And I asked him to share with me a little bit of his story, and it was deeply profound. And I said, dude, we have got to videotape your story. It's that important. And so as it turns out, all of the numbers were pulled except for the last one, which was number one. And the first person up this morning is Ron Patton via video. The rest of the guys are just going to come up afterwards, and then I'll, I'll come up at the end and, and finish things up. So let's, uh, let's hear Ron Patton's testimony, and then whoever's number two, you guys know your instructions, come on and do it. The microphone is already on, not muted. You don't need to do anything, but just pick it up and go for it. My father taught me many lessons. Some were things not to do by his example, but the most important lessons he taught were by example. In 1979, Linda and I went home to California from Houston, Texas for Christmas vacation before my student teaching started. Before leaving back to Texas, we were going to visit my aunt and my mom's family in Tulare. My Uncle Earl owned a large dairy farm of more than 300 milking cows and lived on the property. Now, dairy cows need to be washed before every milking, and the excess water and waste was held in a large excavated pit larger than an Olympic swimming pool. On the trip from San Jose to Tulare, my little brother begged to ride down with us on a four-hour trip. Paul was 10, full of life, and always on the go, and a vivid imagination. He talked about everything for almost the entire trip. Now, Linda and I were getting ready to leave and started our goodbyes. It was then we realized Paul was missing. The search was ended when I heard a scream from my mother. My cousin Danny and I ran around the back and saw my dad holding my mother 
back from trying to get into the cesspool. Danny and I dashed to the closest spot to Paul. I threw my jacket to Danny, told him to hold on, and grabbing the other end of the coat, I jumped in and grabbed Paul's sleeve. On the shore, I performed CPR. I learned as a student lifeguard. We were too late. I carried his body to the front of the house. While we were waiting for the police and ambulance to arrive, my dad came out and placed my coat over his still body. I hugged him and then I heard him praying. Huh. He was saying, thank you God for the time you gave us with Paul. And those words, huh, he taught me what it was to be a man of God. In his deepest despair, he trusted that God knew best. Not blame, hurt, and wise, but trust in thanksgiving. As we place you in the grave tomorrow, Dad, I want to thank God for you and tell you I'm proud to be your son. How do you follow that, eh? Morning, church. You know, to describe the experience as a father in 10 minutes or less is a pretty tall task. Um, I'll do my best. As I started to formulate an idea or a theme, there was one word that kept coming to my mind over and over and over, and it was the word fear. It's been fearful. But how do you describe the love and excitement you have as a father towards your children and things with the word fear? I'll, I'll do my best here. I've been blessed to be able to do a lot of really cool things in my life and experience a lot of neat things in my life. And in them times, I've experienced physical fear. It's that type of fear that comes when you're surrounded by six armed men in a third world country and your translator is negotiating feverishly for something. I felt physically fear for my person, for myself. And that's not the fear I'm talking about. I've also been able to experience spiritual fear. The only type of spiritual fear I'm talking about is when I'm standing next to a woman and she confesses that she is married to the devil. And at that time, God allowed me to see a glimpse of the spirit world and to see and to steer, you know, stare face to face with evil and to see the spirits and principalities that are on the other side of the spirit world I was spiritually scared you know and then I've experienced that self-induced fear you know that type of fear that comes when I was standing at the door of a perfectly good airplane and my skydiver instructor steps up and yells between you know in my ear says 
at this height, and with all this sound, no sounds a lot like go, as he helped me out the door. So, you know, that, that, that was self-induced fear. And then that last fear, I, just for an example, I think most men in here, and there's a couple newlyweds in here, I'm going to warn you men about this. There's that type of fear that you f- feel that rushes through your body when you walk into the bedroom or the bathroom, and your wife stops. And she slowly stops what she's doing and turns her head and looks at you right after you were either brave enough or stupid enough to ask the question, are you ready to go yet? So that, that is the fear that rushes through your body. Caleb, be warned, man, be warned. But listen, that's not the fear I'm talking about. You know, the type of fear I'm, fe- I, I'm talking about is that fear of have I. That fear as a father, have I. You know, have I loved my kids enough? Have I protected them? Have I prayed for them enough? Have I told them that I love them enough? Have I told them I'm sorry enough? Have I been a good enough example for them? Have I provided? Have I trusted? You know, that list can go on and on and on. We know that fear. And, uh, you know, as every time, you know, God is perfect in his timing. And as I was trying to finish this, this message up, you know, God gave me a word, a different word. And that word was awe. He gave me the word awe. And God showed me that my experience as a father hasn't been one of fear. My experience as a father has been one of awe. You know, I'm in awe every time I see my kids succeed. I'm in awe every time I see them overcome something. I'm in awe of them when I see them learn, when they smile, when they laugh. I'm even in awe of them when they cry. I'm in awe of them when my son calls me out of the blue and says, How you doing today, Pops? I'm in awe when my youngest one comes to me halfway between the house and the door after a long day of work and wraps her arms around my leg and says, Hi, Papa. I'm in awe of my oldest daughter when she does her best to scare the bejesus out of me, stuffing the ugliest doll we have in the house in my backpack, you know. (laughs) I'm in awe of my kids. You know, and as I wrap this up, I, I, I have to give you the definition of all that I was given. And I think it fits fatherhood pretty darn good. And the definition I was given was awe is dreadful terror mixed with love or combined with love. I'm in awe of my kids. I'm in awe of being a father. And I can't step down off of this podium without recognizing the two men that have poured into me. And that first, first guy was my grandfather, Harold Owen Saddleberger. He left a legacy behind of a man that served God and loved his family. And the other guy is my father, my father Jay, that has sacrificed a lot, and he also served God and loved his family. And he's carried on my, my grandfather's legacy, and I pray and hope that when it's all said and done, they'll be able to say that I carried that same legacy on. Thank you.
the only one that's not perfect. The, uh, I was a little worried about that, getting up here, and I want to be genuine. Um, what you see is what you get. And so I didn't take any notes. I told the guys I didn't. So you think, hey, he's looking at his phone. I timed myself, and I'm going to start it. So we were, we were um, given a guideline between five and ten minutes. So at work I sat at my desk, and I practiced it, and I was just over three minutes. So I figured I'm going to make it okay. The, uh, but when, when the pastor asked me about uh, one word or a sentence, I guess when you asked me, you asked for a sentence, and I said, well, I can describe what I, what I, what's on my heart in one word, and that was balance. The, uh, and at that time when I said it, I wasn't even real sure where I was going with it. But um, the, uh, and then this morning, actually, when I was thinking about it, and, and I pictured myself in my boat, there's a lot of times that uh, I'm on these little lakes, and I'm always wanting to stand up when I'm in my boat, regardless of conditions. And, and as a boat, another boat goes by, or there's waves, and the boat rocks. Well, I've never been a dancer, um, but it feels almost like I'm like I'm being able to move with the boat. And if there's music playing, we'd probably be in tune. And uh, but then there's times where I've been out on the bay, and my wife's asked me, "Don't go out there." And uh, I'd go out by myself, and I'd go out 10, 11 miles, and storms would come up. And I would, and I always still, I want to be standing up when I'm fishing, and a wave would hit that I wasn't expecting, and uh, it would knock me. There were several times that knocked me off my feet, and but I've never fell out of the boat. And I thought about, well, that's kind of like what fatherhood has been to me. It's been, most of the time, it's pretty early, pretty easy. Shouldn't have looked at my daughter. <laughs> um, but anyway, it's, it's, been, it's been a uh, a good ride. And, you know, when the, the day we brought our daughter home, 40-some years ago, they, from the hospital, I realized that uh, those Lamaze classes didn't teach us anything about what being a father was. The um, fact is, we didn't even use the Lamaze this stuff. It was over with too quick. But um, I, I thought right away when I, when I got home with her, and I thought, life's changing now. Things are going to be different. And I have to say, I don't want to use the word I, I gave up anything because I didn't give up nothing, but I gained a lot. And, yeah, I didn't then go fishing and hunting and hiking and with my friends like I used to, but um, the, uh, uh, I realized what I've really gained as being a father. It, <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, so I've learned a lot from people's uh, examples, from all their father's examples. Uh, both good and bad, and not to say that the ones that were bad, maybe they just, maybe there's a reason why, but what I could use in my life and what I didn't want in my life. And one of them was when I think Debbie and I was just going together, or she might have been, we got married pretty early, so pretty young, so we might have been married, but her dad asked her what she'd like for her birthday, and she said, well, I'd like uh, to spend some time with you. And instead of spending time, he, spent, he sent $20 home with her brother and said, I don't have time, but here's some money. And I remember her crying <clears throat> and saying, I don't want your money, I want your time. So I learned that I needed to keep a balance in my life, balance between my work and my, my children and my family. Um, for 40 years I've learned I need to keep a balance between my wife and my, 
children. Um, the day when my last child moved out, I remember sitting on the couch and looking over at Debbie, and I was actually kind of scared. I thought, who is that? You know, I, I, we spent our whole life putting it into our kids. And it's like I had a, I had a choice to make. How was I going to balance this one out? Um, I could either say we have nothing in common because we didn't uh, or walk away, or I could say this is a new adventure now. Now it's time to get this new balance. And it reminds me that I'd, I've never fell out of the boat. So um, one last thing I wanted to say is that, and I've done it in five minutes, four and a half minutes, <laughs> the, uh, is that there was a, there's a movie, I don't know the name of the movie, but there was a line, and it's my favorite line of any movie. I probably can't think of any other uh, lines other than go ahead and make my day or something like that. But this line was, uh, when you need me but don't want me, there, there's Nanny McFay in this movie, and she said, when you need me but don't want me, then I've got to stay. But when you want me but don't need me, then I must go. <clears throat> well, the hardest balance I've ever had to do and I kept telling myself, don't even go there. So, you know, you won't make it through it. But I had to change that last line is that, but when you want me, but no longer need me, I must let you go. As a father, that's pretty hard to do. I'd never looked at being a father as being a father for 18 years. And then saying, well, they're on their own now. They're an adult. Um, I'll be a father until the day I die. But um, I do need to let them go. Let them make their own mistakes. Um, good or bad, if I see it coming, still let them. But be the father to be there with them, for them. Uh, I guess one thing that I, I wanted to say I forgot about was that uh, um, when Debbie's brothers, I worked with her dad and her brothers, uh, and uh, they said they both told me at one time they never had a father. They always had a boss. And I said, I never want to be like that to where my kids think of me as, you know, whether they were working with me or whatever. Um, as their boss, I always wanted to be their father to them first, regardless of where we were at, what we were doing. And so um, I guess, uh, fathers, uh, thank you for the examples you've set for me to learn to uh, try to keep balance. morning. How's everyone doing today? I'm a little bit more nervous than everyone else maybe, but I have a big pad of paper with double space, so hopefully I can stay on track and meet your time limit, Pastor. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, gentlemen. Pastor Rick, first off, I want to say thank you for this opportunity. Last Sunday's message was perfect. Um, I want to first off say, one morning I got up, my son Logan always has music playing, which is Family Life Radio. The one song that came, I thought was on, because he wasn't in his room, and the radio wasn't on, was All My Hope Is In Jesus, Yesterday, All My Yesterdays Are Gone From Crowder. I asked my wife, I'm like, was that song on? She's like, the radio wasn't even on. I'm like, that's weird, because I swore I heard that song on that morning. 
So she's like, that must have been God talking to you. So my message first was going to be father. And I like to break words down in its meaning. However, yes, after pastor talked to me last Sunday, he's like, what's your message about? I'm like, father. So then I'm like, well, last Sunday I was working out and I listened to another song and I'm like, I think it should be Rocky Father. And you might be wondering, well, what's that supposed to mean? Well, first off, I want to say thank you to my wife, Ashley. I cannot be a father without her, obviously. And without her help, I cannot be the father I am. She helps me to be a better person, a better husband, and a better father. Sometimes she has to remind me that I'm not running a boot camp because I was raised on a dairy farm where we work hard, and I'm like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. And she's like, these are kids, you got to raise them correctly, but you don't yell at them all the time. I still need correction, obviously. So, um, However, I do want to start off with a, a quote from Rocky Balboa. Ain't how hard you hit is how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. Just so you guys know, life is hard. It's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard we can get hit and keep moving forward. So, so you might wonder what Rocky stands for, right? Well, rough. Being a father, dad, can have a rough moment. However, the other R to that is redemption. As long as we have Jesus Christ in our hearts, we can always find redemption. Oh, obstacles. We're always going to have obstacles in our lives. However, if we're obedient to God, we can always find hope. I'm going a little bit faster, faster. <laughs> C, challenging. Fatherhood is challenging. Whether it be for men where we have personal, spiritual, or professional challenges, we will always have challenges in our lives because this world is a fallen world. However, if we take courage in Jesus Christ, we can overcome these challenges. Now, uh, as Joshua 1 verse 9 says, I have not commanded you, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Kidnapping. Okay, now you might be like, what's that all about? Well, if we allow the enemy in our hearts, in our households, the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. So if we allow the enemy in, he's going to kidnap our wives, our family, and everything that belongs to us. Why do we want the enemy in our household, gentlemen? You know how we combat kidnapping? Knowledge, through the word of God. As pastor says, keep your nose in the book, your knees bent to heaven, and your body in the house of the Lord. And then why? The yoke of slavery. Shall we continue to live in bondage of slavery? Live in old habits? Why? I'd rather be yearning for Christ. That's the other part. Yearning for Christ. Turning from old habits and seeking to God daily. As we turn to Christ, he sets us from bondage. He picks up the yoke of slavery from which he did at the cross of Calvary. Now the next part is Father. F for Father stands for faithful, forgiving, and fun. My son Logan, yesterday he made some bad choices. He wrote me a nice Father's Day note today and he said, please forgive me. A long time ago he did some inappropriate attitude and behaviors and he came to me because I disappointed him. He's like, 
you'll forgive me because you're a forgiven father. I'm like, yes, I am a forgiven father, but yet you still have to hold your children accountable for their actions. Fun. I had a dad that worked very hard on a dairy farm. We didn't have much time for fun. Most of us hard work and labor. However, as a father, and gracefully, I'm a younger father, so I could still play with my children. Yesterday, we were able to purchase a basketball hoop, and then all four of us, my two, three children and I, got to play basketball. It was fun. <laughs> Paige is nodding her head. Yup. As in Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. That's one of my main goals. If you train the children the way they should go, they will always not, they will do what they're supposed to do, or at least that's what, as a parent, that's what we hope for, right? A, in father stands for altruistic. Now, this is a word I learned in college. <laughs> it means being selfless, concerned for the well-being of others, is unselfish. I can be very selfish at times. I actually can tell you that. <laughs> but I know we can always overcome that. And it's a process. We're, we're all not perfect. I'm not perfect. Proverbs 19, verse 18 says, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. We have to be the children's disciplinarians. We have to be the parents, not their friends. And that's where I see a lot of people in today's world are sitting here and saying, I want to be their friend. I want to be their friend. I want to be their friend. No, we have to discipline them. Hold them accountable, and when they're older, when they're adults, then we can be more friendly with them, but still give them guidance. T in Father stands for trustworthy. Our children trust us. For instance, when I, I think Ashley had to go away with her family one time for a family matter, and I was finishing up, cleaning up, and I was wrapping up a cord, and Logan, I mean, actually, Owen was a baby at the time, and I was dropped him. He knows to trust me because I won't drop him. <laughs> and I remember that very well. I threw myself against the wall of the house to catch him because I was dropping him. And then I told Ashley, she said, you didn't have to tell me. Well, I'm like, well, somebody will tell you eventually. So <laughs> might as well tell you because someone will. H in Father stands for honesty. We need to be honest with our children. We expect them to be honest with us, so we should be honest with them. Hard work and hard love. I know there's sometimes people tell me you can be very hard on your children, but I do it out of hard love. We got to be honest with them. I know, like I already said, sometimes I can be very stern, I can be very hard, and then my wife has to correct me saying, this is not a boot camp. I was reminded of that yesterday. So, <laughs> But I want my children to work hard in life. I want them to know that they're going to be Hard workers. I'm very proud of my sons, Owen and Logan. They're started their own lawn care business. They work hard. There's sometimes where if we're there, we have heavy machinery going, lawnmowers and weed whackers going, and I'm yelling at them. And Ashley's like, "Why are you all like screaming at them?" I'm like, "Because first off, it's very loud, and that's how you communicate. <laughs> and if you all know the angels, they're all loud anyway. So what's the difference?" <laughs> So they're just getting used to it. And then I'm very proud of my daughter and uh, Logan and Owen. They work very hard in school as well. And 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10 says, For even when we were with you, 
we give you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. I was told that at a very young age. I remember when I was little, I told my dad, hey, let's go get McDonald's. He's like, you think money grows on trees? You got to work in order to eat. E in father stands for empathy, ability to understand and share the feelings of another. Now, it's not sympathy. It's not I feel sorry for my kids every day. But I got to be reminded and know I was a kid once too. My kids are kids. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. Encouragement. Now, my kid, I got two kids in sports. Logan's in baseball. Paige's in swim. Owen's thinking about track. I never thought to be a father of a kid in sports. I never was in sports. We were just farmers. We worked, we worked, we worked. That's all we did. However, my dad, when I was a kid, I was in, a, I think we were in a play or concert. He never make it because he was milking cows. He had to provide, so I understood. But at that time, it hurt my heart. However, I have the ability to go there, support my kids, encourage them, and that's what we should do. Encourage our children. Proverbs 3, verse 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your paths straight. We may have paths set for our children, but God will always make their paths. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 says, For I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. We always have hope in the future for our children, but God knows the ultimate future for our children. R, finally, the last letter for father. And father, the letter R stands for respect. Kids deserve respect as we deserve respect. Just remember that. As many of us may think our children are little and they don't deserve it and we demand it, we should also give them that respect back. Third John verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. And that's all I pray that at the end of the day, when my children are called, that they are still walking in the faith of God. And then today when I was thinking about this message, the Toby Mac song came on, Till the Day I Die. And I pray till the day I die that my children always have faith in God. They always have respect for me and my family. And I just want to say thank you. Everybody's doing a great job. Thank you. I don't know how to follow that, so <laughs> that's just be me. I have a weird sense of humor. I'm in children's ministry, so that's all I got to say. All right. So what does it mean to be a father? Um, I'm going to share some of my experiences. So hopefully new fathers out here soon-to-be fathers, existing fathers, grandfathers, uh, can learn from me. Um, and I'll, I'll dig into this a little bit farther. But uh, when pastor asked me uh, to talk that one sentence, you know, tell me what, give me one sentence of what you're going to share your message on. And most of it is going to be around Balance, ver, excuse me, encouragement versus discipline. As
as a father, there is such a fine line to discipline our children, be that rock and that narrow, the drill sergeant in us, but then also be that encouragement. So Peggy has no idea what I'm going to talk about. I did not share this with her. So I'm going to be dropping a few examples of, of life in here. And uh, so as I started this, this journey, it's like, what do I start? And obviously the first things that come to mind about being a father is a provider. Okay, yeah, we provide, we clothe, food, shelter. Uh, but I wanted to go deeper, so, you know, something more to the point, you know. And it's easy to go down so many different rabbit holes on this, so I'm trying to, uh, I try to keep it on topic and not go off. But, you know, because I found myself wanting to go down husband responsibilities versus father responsibilities because we can, but they're also all, entwined or I mean they're all related you know from you know mowing the lawn taking out the trash maintenance on vehicles and killing spiders for the wife and um, all these things I mean they're all important but but where should I go so I started to think well I'll start with myself my journey um, my history my father left before I was one years old I did not have a father I didn't have <clears throat> somebody to look up to Several men came in and out of my life throughout the history. Um, I, when I started becoming of age to recognize this in the void that I had, <coughs> I gravitated towards my grandfather. He was my rock. My second void, or excuse me, to um, fill that void was sports. So I was very athletic. I know it's hard to tell now. But to, at a point in my life, I was very athletic. I was above average. I did very well. And, and then I also got involved in a discipline of martial arts. Did that for over 20-some years. So a, a lot of this message is going to come apart from those lessons as well. So, um, and one thing that, that I learned, especially out of, out of martial arts, is there's almost... For me, there's two different types of way of thinking, of learning. I can learn from my own experiences, and by keeping that mindset, it's going to take me a lifetime to master. Or I can learn from other people's experiences, and I can shrink that timeline and learn faster. And so I incorporate both of those, not just me, 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 I want to learn from others. So, so as a father, what does it mean? Number one is learning how to really love. <clears throat> sounds easy. Sounds basic. But it's not easily accomplished. Um, there has to be that transition from self-centered gratification from manhood to fatherhood. Um, so examples of, you know, how to love. You know, we're, we're, as fathers, we're, we're sacrificing our personal desires without a thought to get a smile from that child. Enduring personal discipline 
The storms of life come, and it's so easy to just say, I quit and walk away and think I'm going to outrun that storm. It doesn't work that way. So it's the discipline to stay in that storm and keep moving ahead. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if I'm making a half, you know, whatever the distance. As long as I'm moving, I can be directed. <clears throat> the storms of life come at us, as, as, as we all know. We know we need to know our, our role as a father and do not relinquish it. So much depends on us as fathers. Okay. Another thing that I uh, of importance to me about being a father is enduring personal discipline. Or excuse me, I'm sorry. Prudent financial decisions. Um, from the from a notification of pregnant pregnancy. A father, you know, you got your, you got a child coming now. Your, your, mind, your mindset changes. <laughs> uh, this, she's already laughing back. She doesn't want to go on. When Peggy came to me and said, I, I am pregnant, she was scared to tell me. We weren't married yet. I'm not afraid to say that. We weren't married. She came to me and said, I'm pregnant. I said, wait one minute. <laughs> I didn't run. Well, I ran into the other room. I grabbed a Bible. I threw it down on in front of her. I said, put your hand on that Bible and tell me again. <laughs> She'll tell me that's exactly what I did. And from that point on, we're, we were together anyway, but now we're, we're together. It's just making sense. So, so from that this initial moment of you're having a child to having children, and then they grow up, and they're out of the house now in our lives. And um, I'm also a stepfather, too. I'm not going to get down that path. But um, eventually, we're going to have grandkids. I mean, my youngest is getting married next May. So um, we're, we're excited for that. Uh, but I feel as a father, I'm... And sacrifice is, is a, a rough word, but it's just what I wrote down for right now. I sacrifice, sacrifice myself for the future. And it's not really a sacrifice, it's an investment. Um, and another point, or part of what it means to be a father is, again, that discipline, but to encourage. Without this... Um, encouragement and discipline, I'm setting up my children for failure in life. It's difficult to be a courageous person in this society, especially today, and it can be extremely demoralizing. If your father doesn't form a relationship with you or reject you, a child feels little worse. And it's going to be extremely difficult for them to recover from this later. So in, I need to be encouragement, but not, but not tyrannical and a crushing force for them. It's that, that balance. And sometimes you can see the tyrannical evidence in 
videos online, people at youth sports is a great example of adults living their lives through their children, okay? And trust me, I was an umpire for a long time. I, was, I wore the gear. I, was, I did all the sports, even through high school. I did, I did high school sports through peewee sports. I did it all. And I was the one being yelled at, too, you know. And I under, so I understand that type of... But as, as a father, we're aiming to make the best in our children come forward. We, as fathers, we need to be that unshakable confidence that they can uh, rely on so they can see that example where they can uh, learn how to match it and then exceed it as they gain tools in life. But get, again, getting that balance is very difficult because one heated moment or one heated phrase or ill-gotten word, and it's destroyed. It is destroyed. I can, <clears throat> my mother passed away last October, and I remember still a, a phrase she said to me when I was very young, six, seven years ago, and it still hurts today. You know, because I know she, was, she didn't mean it, but I, it, I still remember that phrase. So parents, be very conscious on, on what you tell our children. So how do I be that example for my children and one of it is how I treat my wife Peggy and I have been married we just celebrated 25 years last month so thank you and for other parents uh, or excuse me other marriage couples I'm sure uh, you've had plenty of opportunities to disagree okay we are no different. We are no different. However, the example, uh, I, I say this not, please, uh, I don't want this to come, I'm not bragging, but it's just who I am. In 25 years, we have never fought. I have never raised my voice to her. I have never called her a ball and chain, the old hag, the old lady. I will never say those phrases. My children will not see, her, see me say those phrases about her. I am the example that they have. Trust me, 25 years, trust, we get in disagreements. Don't, I'm talking about a fight. You, you know what I'm talking about where you can see it in Walmart. Just go down the aisles. Couples are fighting. No. If I train myself to, if I get to that point, I just walk away. I'll go and cool off. I'll go out in the shop. I'll go beat up some wood. Or I'll do something until I come back, come back down to conversation level. <clears throat> so, I don't want my children to say um, they seen me tr mistreat her because I've got to teach them boundaries I've got to teach them respect like I get, my youngest again is getting married hopefully I've shown him the boundaries of communicating with other females around other people 
around adults, around children. All these opportunities that if they lack in these, they're going to be deficient. They're going to be set up for failure. So what kind of mentor am I being? Am I demonstrating, you know? Um, to be a teacher, uh, I want to learn, excuse me, I want to teach my children to be a listener and a learner and not always have to have it your way or your opinion and it's my way or no way. That is, I mean, as, as a man, yes, we love to be in control. We, we want to take control and we want things done or we want it done our way. It, it doesn't have to be that way. So new, newlyweds, young people, it's okay. <laughs> it'll, it'll be smoother if you can just say, yes, dear. <laughs> so, you don't have to be right. So, But one of the lessons I've wanted to teach my children is how to heal without becoming what traumatized you. An example that my, what I've learned, again, through, through my martial arts was just because Peggy's mad at me does not mean I have to be back at, mad back at her. And this is what I like because <laughs> I know it irks her a little bit because she's mad at me. <laughs> and she, she's just short with me and, you know, hurry up, go do this, go do that. Oh, okay, yeah, and I'll just be happy as whatever. So many times in society, we are taught that if somebody comes at me here, I either either have to meet it there or exceed it. And that's also, that's mostly in the negative way. I don't have to do that. That's a choice on me to do that. So I'm trying to teach my children to own it, take responsibility for their actions, I'm hopefully teaching them to become a better father than I am. Not to be disrespectful. This would undermine the very structure that makes up a large sum of the parts. I don't want to, I don't want my children to be around me and for them to hear me a comment of me cutting down another dad or me cutting down another person. I don't know. It's like, it's, it's a picture you know, you see a picture on the wall. It is a moment in time. I don't know what happened before. I don't know what happened afterwards. But I'm going to make a judgment on, on that right there. That's, no, I'm not trying to teach that to my kids. <clears throat> I'm trying to develop the foundation for the next generation, the next father. And I wouldn't be who I am today without the support of my wife, Peggy. And I know I've, I went over a lot of different things here, but in closing, <clears throat> I want my chil- children to finish this phrase. Number one, I don't want my children to say, I messed up, dad's going to kill me. But I want them to say, I messed up, I need to call dad.
How you doing, church? I'm last, best for last, of course, we all know. <laughs> all right, I'm not as uh, put together as the rest of the guys that were up here, so I am what I am. Uh, my big thing when Pastor asked me is, of course, I almost passed out. Uh, but I, I smiled a lot because it made me feel like he sees who I'm trying to be. I'm not going to get upset. Don't look at me, Brenda Brown. Uh, big thing when I was thinking about uh, fatherhood was the balance. The balance is hard because our big job as parents or as a father is to provide. Um, if you want my time, we don't have money. If you want my money and want my time instead, I did, I'm just not going to be there. You know, And that's hard for me to say to my son. So I guess my story is I was, I was older when I was a father. I was 35 uh, when I had my son Malachi. He was very scary when he was born because uh, we went through a lot of things with his mom. And he was born very early. Uh, that child was prayed into this life because uh, he should not be here. Um, so nine months later, we lost his mom. And I was a single father. Talk about scary. That was scary. Um, but I didn't have a choice to say I can't or I'm not going to do it. Because I was all he had. And thanks to my family, his grandma and aunt and stuff, they were there for me as a mother to them. Um, I then remarried. Uh, was a stepfather to four children plus my own, and that was hard because you are now a blended family. Two different ways of parenting is very difficult. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had good parents. Uh, my father was with me my whole life. My parents have been married 50 years now. Um, he's always showed provide and structure. That was a big deal for me. I had to have structure, had to have how I had to go in the house. I wasn't a drill sergeant. Yeah, some people saw me as that. Um, so, again, the marriage didn't work out for reasons. Uh, met another woman, you know, because that's just what I do. I just get married because, <laughs> you know, it's not fun being by yourself, I'm just saying. So, no, it's not like that. But um, God has allowed me to be here because um, I feel... I feel I'm a great person, and I just want to show my son that you have to stay strong regardless of what life throws at you. And uh, like I said, providing is easy, but making that balance for time, man, that's a fight. When I come home from work, I don't want to play. I don't want to run around. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not young, but I have to fight that fight to make sure he sees that he's important to me regardless because I'm gone 10 hours a day. And I still want him to understand that I'm here for him. And as the other children, his wife I married has three older, older girls, which have made me a grandfather, which is scary. Not, not a grandpa. I'm a papa. I'm too, I'm too young for that. But it makes you look at, I'm also responsible for these little children because I may, may not be their father, but I'm a father figure. To not only them, but to my son's baseball team, our fatherhood don't stop at our children. It's every child around us. I did children's ministry here, 
and I had the kids looking up to me, and it scared me, but I had to be strong with them, you know, and you have to be firm. You can't be scared to be, not mean, but you have to be firm because God tells us we have to be that man of, you know, structure and stand tall and strong for them. So um, I guess my, my uh, whole thing is just find that balance. Don't be scared to be firm and got to love them. Sometimes it feels like, with the older kids, sometimes it feels like you're standing on the side of a beach, you know, and they're drowning. You can't do anything about it. You have to let them learn. You know, and it's hard when you have a mom who tries to save them all the time, but you have to be strong and stay consistently in their life. So it's hard, but it's fun. I believe that's it. You had number six, didn't you? Okay, good. Wasn't that great? Yeah. It was a good list. Yes. And uh, he's, uh, he's right. I didn't just arbitrarily run around and go, hmm, wonder if he will. Hmm, wonder if he will. I felt like I was being directed. Amen. And it was also in terms of seeing something in each of you and, and the beautiful different perspectives. And even the course of uh, how it flowed together, it was all... God uh, today, right on? And now I have the opportunity in just a couple of moments, uh, 10, I think I have 10 minutes, is that right, guys? 10 minutes. So. Who went the longest? Does anybody know who went the longest? Did you, did you make it to your 23 minutes? <laughs> oh, okay. You know, um, all the things that the guys said, uh, you could, any of us dads who were honest with ourselves could say we could open up our little filing cabinet and pull those things out and say, yeah, those are a part of the life story, you know? And we all have a different story, don't we? I talk about that often as well. Each of us dads have a different story. And uh, there was a lot of different labels that were mentioned, and each of the guys had their different things to say. And um, I have one label uh, that I now get to walk out in my life that I never got to walk out in my life with my children. Um, of course, they were practically born under the church seat. Um, they spent their whole lives in church with their daddy uh, up here. Uh, whether it was from the guitar or from the Bible. Uh, for many, many years, it was uh, either Brother Rick and, or Pastor Rick and his family. They, even in the eyes of other people, became second to the guy in the limelight, I guess you could, you could say. And uh, I remember uh, when we uh, took the church up in West Branch, uh, uh, the folks did not like me, uh, and I know that's probably true for some of y'all as well, but maybe, maybe not. They loved Diane, and we all know that, that that's true as, as well too, right? They did a vote to, after six months, they did a vote to see if, uh, if I could stay, and uh, the uh, head elder called me up afterwards, said we had 100 people show up and 98 want Diane to stay. 
So, uh, <laughs> but that was the day that I learned that uh, it, it, it changed to uh, Diane and, you know, her husband. Or the days that my daughters began to do things and it was no longer um, Pastor Rick's daughter, but now I'm Erica's dad, for example. She uh, has two daughters, Erica and Emily, and Erica and her family are down in the uh, Granville area, and she is on the worship team at uh, Rockford Church and uh, is very popular uh, with everyone. And so I'm never introduced uh, as Pastor or Rick, but I'm always introduced, oh, you, you must be Erica's dad, and, uh, you know, so forth and so on. But my kids never had the opportunity um, to just have me in one capacity, to just be daddy. Now, I didn't see that at the time. I've only just learned that. And when I say just learned that, literally within the last month or two, just learned that. For example, I was, sure, I was their dad. Um, I was their pastor. I was their youth pastor. I was their girls' basketball coach. Um, I was, which one am I missing? The principal of their school. Okay, can you imagine having to live with all those people? Um, and so finding myself as daddy was not an easy journey because I wore all these other hats uh, in, in life. And it certainly, of course, had its advantages, I assume, but it's also had its disadvantages in that my children didn't get to just have daddy because there was such a mixture of all those other things in, in life. For, for one daughter, I remember we, we used to ride to church together in the morning because she was on the praise team with me, and we would stop at a little restaurant called The Camp, and we'd have breakfast on our way into church, and I would mentor her, you know. Again, another title, another label. I wasn't daddying her. Are you hearing me? I was mentoring her. And, but uh, it's such a blessing that now that she's older and she has uh, children and uh, she'll say to me, Dad, I can't. I always remember every Sunday morning when we went to the camp and had breakfast and you poured so much into me and met so much. And only up until the last couple months, we've had a lot of things happen in our family over the course of the last two years. And it's been an, a, a journey. Most of you know at least pieces, parts, and some of you know more details of the journey that we've taken uh, in, in our family. And every family has a journey, right? And all the journeys are not always the, uh, the rosy you know, uh, picture. Some of them are the terrifying carnival ride uh, with yeah, loose wheels on the, ferris, on the uh, roller, coaster. roller coaster. Thank you. And so... Um, and, you know, one of my daughters, is, it's been very difficult for her to um, find what slot in her life I, I actually play uh, and have played. Because, again, I was the principal. I was the uh, girls' basketball coach. I was the youth pastor. I was the pastor. 
I was the mentor, I was the, the dad, whole list of things. And uh, so in the course of things, I recognized that with one of my daughters, I actually said to her, gosh, last week, maybe, uh, I kind of went over this and I said, you know what, for the first time in my life, in your life, I get to just be your daddy. Now this is far too little too late, quite frankly. Although I should add to that, never too late, never too little, right on? But I get to be daddy for the very first time in your life, just daddy. And I said to her, I said, you know what, honey, you're gonna have to bear with me because I'm gonna have to learn at 66 with 10 grandchildren, the 10th one on his, on his way, uh, how to be just daddy. Uh, and so that's a journey for her, and it's a journey for me as well, right? And so uh, learning who you really are supposed to be in the relationship might be one of the scariest, most difficult journeys that we have that um, if, 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 if there was a label put on it at some day, I don't want my epitaph to say, have my daughter say he was my basketball coach, my principal, my pastor, my youth pastor. Um, I, want the, I want it to say he was my daddy. I don't even want it to say he was my father. You know, there's a phrase about uh, God that he can be called Abba, Father, which means Papa, Daddy, God. And it it changes it from just fathering to being a daddy. I hope for all of you guys that spoke this morning and for every one of you all that are dads that you aspire to one place in your life, one title in your life, and that is daddy. Because when it all comes down to it, that's the most important thing. I was talking to my daughter just the other evening, and I, and, and I had an, a situation this week where I had a, an opportunity to, say, redeem some things, rectify some errors on my part. Uh, and of course, all of us dads have made errors. Thank you. Somebody, every dad should have went, boy, you got that in right. We've all made mistakes, but not always do we get an opportunity to rectify that or to change the atmosphere, to change the, the label, if you will. And so I had an opportunity to do something this week, and when it was all said and done, and uh, I passed the information on to my daughter, she was speechless. And... <laughs> She said, I'm trying, having a hard time to find the words. <laughs> and she said, this is the first time. I've ever felt like you were just my dad.
Like I said, some of y'all know the, the story and, and, and some things, it's not really public knowledge story, um, but it, I think the lesson to learn is I'm 66 years old, I've been a dad since I was 32, right? Was, it, was I 32 and you 30? Apparently, uh, calling out her age was a mistake. <laughs> um, there's a lot of opportunity to make a, a lot of different decisions over that time frame and over that, uh, that life. And so I would pray that each of us have a journey that says, here's what I want my children to remember. And just like I asked all of you guys that spoke, tell me in one word, that's what I asked most of them, I thought, that one word or one sentence, what you want to say, if it were to boil all of life down and you could hope that your kids would say one word or one sentence about you, what would you hope that that word would be? And for me, it would be Daddy. Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. Daddy God, Papa God. The opportunity to, to be more than just a father. The opportunity to, to be a dad. And not just a dad, but daddy. Or to my grandchildren's Papa. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. Help us to live up to the example that you've given us, Lord. Help us to take the journey regardless of how painful or how fearful or whatever else it may be to become what you want us to be and to admit when we've missed it and to give you all the honor and glory when we somehow do it right. And uh, Lord, it is an incredible responsibility that you've given us as you've given us these kids on loan really for life. May we return them unto you, um, equipped and filled with your love, and um, regardless of whatever steps or journey that they may take in life, may you always be the center of their heart. And Lord, if we've had those opportunities like I've had now to change the paradigm, to change the label, and to offer my daughters one thing, and that's to be their daddy, may all of us have that journey to when it's all said and done, and we come to the end of our life, we're remembered as daddy. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. If you can believe it and receive it, give the Lord a praise in the house of God today. Amen.